0: You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So Judges chapter 9. We're now kind of midway through the book that I have in my hand here. Uh, And things are getting worse. Um, Gideon has just passed away. Uh, His leadership was... uh, Give and take, good and bad, he delivered the people from um, the Midianites, but at the end of his life, kind of fell prey to some some passions and desires of his own, kind of shipwrecked his legacy at the end there. And we get to see what comes after this leader. And we know uh, from a, the kind of summary at the end of chapter eight that it's not going to be good. Immediately, the people are going to turn and worship false gods. immediately they're going to abandon um, the Lord their God. But we have this interchange here with one of uh, Gideon's sons that we're going to, or actually all of Gideon's sons today, um, that we're going to be exploring today in Judges chapter 9. And the the topic that Judges chapter 9 deals with, uh, the practical topic that Judges chapter 9 deals with, is leadership. Who it is that is in leadership uh, over a people. Um, And that can be over a nation, over a city, over a church, um, but, but but the danger of poor leadership and the consequences of immoral leadership. And so we're going to look today a little bit at what it looks like uh, in this passage. We're going to do some paraphrasing today because this is 57 verses long. Uh, and so there'll be some paraphrasing. You feel free to go back and read it tonight to get the full picture. Um, but, but I'm going to draw out the parts that, that, that will really draw us uh, to where we need to be. So we get pick up in verse 1 of Judges chapter 9, it says, Abimelech, that is Gideon's son of his concubine, the son of Jeroboam, uh, which is Gideon, went to Shechem and spoke to his uncles and to his mother's whole clan, saying, please speak in the hearing of all the citizens of Shechem. Is it better that for you that 70 men, all the sons of Jeroboam, rule over you, or that one man rule over you? Remember that I am your own flesh and blood. And his mother's relatives spoke all these words about him in the hearing of all the citizens of Shechem. And they were favorable to Abimelech, for they said, He's our brother. So they gave him 70 pieces of silver from the temple of Belbareth. Then Abimelech used it to hire worthless and reckless men, and they followed him. And he went to his father's house in Ophrah, and he killed his 70 brothers the sons of Jeroboam, on top of a large stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jeroboam, survived because he hid. And all the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo gathered together and proceeded to make make Abimelech king at the oak of the pillar in Shechem. Okay, so what we get here at the beginning of this story is Abimelech has a hunger for being king. Gideon has died, Jeroboam, Gideon, same person, has died. There's a void in leadership. Gideon had 70 legitimate sons, and he had one noteworthy illegitimate son. And his 70 legitimate sons were kind of seen as the natural successors to Gideon. And Abimelech is over here, the man whose name means my father is king, is over here looking around saying all of my brothers are getting all of this attention and all of this favor and all of this like special treatment, and I'm not receiving it. And so he devises a plan and his plan is very, very simple. I'm going to go back to my mother's town. See Abimelech, well, the reason he wasn't a legitimate child, he wasn't born to a wife of Gideon. He was born to one of Gideon's concubines and she lived in Shechem. So he went back to her hometown, the hometown of his mother. And he said, hey, to his uncles, how about we stage a coup? Tell the people of Shechem, wouldn't it be better if I was leading them instead of these 70 men who aren't even related to you? Because I'm related to you. We, we share things in common. Right? My mom is your sister. My mom is, like, I'm connected to this town. I'm connected to these people. Wouldn't it be better if I led instead of these 70 sons of Jeroboam who have no connection to you at all. And it doesn't take long to stir up dissension inside of a group. Some of us have seen this before in small group dynamics. Churches is a wonderful place to witness this. Some of you are at this church right now because of bad things that happened at other churches that you were at, right? There were churches that you were at, and just a couple of people started talking, started murmuring, ...started making some noise, and all of a sudden the whole thing kind of fell apart around you, right? Because it doesn't take much, it doesn't take a whole lot of unhappy people to create a problem. The men of Shechem were not upset prior to the Whisper campaign, right? Before the people went out and started being like, hey, I mean, look at all these people. Wouldn't you rather just have this guy? Until those conversations happened, there's no indication that the Shechemites were upset at all. Life was fine, things were going okay... And, you know, the Midianites were no longer a problem. Uh, we, we'll just keep trucking right along. But once the whispers start going and people's ears start listening, right, division happened inside of there. And very quickly, that whole town turned against Gideon's children and turned in favor of them. And then the plan was absolutely vicious, right? It wasn't like, uh, just call me king and we'll live happily ever after. No, it's I'm going to gather up a couple guys. We're going to pay them 70 shekels of silver. And then we're going to murder every single brother that I have. 70 brothers. We're going to murder them all. A piece of silver apiece. That's not a very good rate, by the way, if you're looking at whether or not a shekel per life is a very good rate. It's not. It's very inexpensive to hire a hitman to kill leaders in that portion of the world. But because they listened to the whispers, because they allowed uh, the negative people, or not negative people, but just divisive people, to kind of be whispering and talking and hearing, right? They they jumped right on. And even though the plan was absolutely, horrendously wicked, they were fine with it because they had bought in to an immoral leader. Guys, the, the first danger that we need to look at when talking about Abimelech is this. We need to choose who we listen to Wisely. I mean, be very careful about who you allow to influence you. Choose wisely who you're going to listen to. Be discerning about the voices that you hear, because the Shechemites had no idea they were going to be involved in like mass fratricide. That's a, that's the killing of brothers. My kids like the word, um, so we'll throw it out there, right? They didn't know they were gonna they were they were paying to take part in the you know extermination of all of Gideon's children. What they thought was, yes, it would be nice to have a leader who identified with us. Yes, it would be nice to have someone who fought for us, who, who who's on our side. And they heard the positives, and they heard the positives. And then when the negatives started coming up, they were too invested in the plan to make any changes. I've seen it. I've seen it in churches. Uh, I remember my church that I grew up in a long time ago. I was I was bare I was eighteen maybe at the time and just come on staff as a youth associate or something like that, I think it was my title. It was a, a big enough church, so we had a lot of like random titles floating around out there at the church. And I was part-time and I was sitting in staff meeting and someone had started a letter writing campaign against our, our pastor. And, and there was reasons to be upset with the pastor. The church was changing. There was rapid changes going on underneath that pastor. There were reasons to be concerned. Um but the way it was handled was ungodly. And it was it was an anonymous letter campaign. It was like uh, the concerned members of First Baptist Sugar Land. They had, a, they had like a, a weird name they signed the letter with. And, and as is the case, by the way, as is the case often, those things find their way to the desk of the person that you don't want it to be in. And so... Someone received that letter, went to the pastor and said, "Hey, here's what's going on." We don't know how many people. Re- it was letters. They literally went to the post office and mailed these letters to, to you know hundreds of people in the church uh, to try to you know just you know, I don't know get rid of the pastor or whatever whatever their objective was uh, stated to be. And I'll tell you, my pastor was just he was hurt. Anonymous people writing these things, untruths, largely untruths in there. I mean, there's some truths. But, but truth mixed with a lie is still a lie, right? And so it, it found its way to his desk. It hurt him, right? And he found himself, like, clawing against people. He couldn't even really identify who, who his adversaries were. I hurt for him. You know, that happens, uh, it happens to me, right? Things go on, little, little whisperings happen, and somehow they find their way to me, right? And I'm like, oh, no, people are upset with Matt. Okay. Like, it, it hurts, just so you know, personally, pastorally, as your pastor who loves you dearly, it hurts. Like, I had a conversation with my deacons Sunday, a week ago, just speaking out of some pain that I'm dealing with right now. It hurts. Right? When people are, are, are talking not to me, but about me, it hurts. And so we've got to be careful about who we listen to. Be cautious about whisper campaigns. Be cautious, because what the men of Shechem didn't recognize is they were engaging themselves. Uh, an absolute mass murder. And they thought what they were doing was the right thing. They thought they were buying into good godly leadership. Uh, one of the sons of Gideon survived. The youngest son, Jotham, survived. He got away. He was he was free um, from this thing. And so he has a man of very little fear. And so he goes, and we're going we're gonna to do a little paraphrasing now, Jotham's parable. You can see it. It's verses 7 through, I don't know, 21-ish. Uh, and, and, and what Jotham does is he stands up on, on, on a hillside, aside from the men of Shechem, and he says, hey guys, you didn't get us all, just so you know. And I got a little story to tell you. And he tells a parable about the, these trees. And he says all the trees got together to, to choose a king for themselves. And so initially they go to the, the, to, to the olive tree. Make sure I get it right. Initially they go to the olive tree. They say, hey, olive tree, rain over us. Olive tree is a noble tree, a good-sized tree. Rain over us, olive tree. And the olive tree says, it, it wouldn't be right. I, I need to give my oil. Right? It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be appropriate for man. And so they, they turn from the olive tree and they look at the fig tree and say, oh, fig tree, little little less noble, little little shorter tree. Fig tree, rain over us the picture says, no, 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 no. I've got fruit to give to the world. I, it wouldn't be right for me to reign over you. And so the tree is so desperate for a king. They go to the grapevine. Now, now we've, we've moved away from trees down to just a vine. You know, grapevines can be pretty impressive, though, let's be fair. They say, grapevine, please, rule over us. He says, it wouldn't be right for me. I've got fruit. It leads to wine. It, I've got things to do. And then they go to the bramble. The thistle, the briar, the, the thing that, that if it's in your field, you're out there just working very hard to get rid of because it, it hurts your cows and it hurts your pants and it, it, you want it gone altogether. They go to the bramble, this 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 nonsense plant, this you know curse, really a sign of the curse that the ground will fight against you, right? That's Genesis three there. The bramble and they go to the bramble and they say, "Rule over us!" and the bramble this unnoble noble plant says, well, let's talk about this for a minute. If you want me to rule over you, come on underneath my shade. By the way, a bramble doesn't produce a whole lot of shade, especially for a tree who's going to the bramble. So this tree has to stoop itself underneath the bramble and to push itself underneath the thorny bramble. Put yourself underneath my shade and rest but if you rebel against me, fire will come out from me and will consume me, consume you. And the bramble tells them straight up, if, if you want it, I'll do it. I'll lead you, I'll be in charge of you, I'll be over you. Make me make me happy. I'll give you the best that I have to offer, which is thorns mixed with tiny little shade from my twigs. Right? And I will I'll, I'll cover you with my brambleness. But as soon as you get crosswise with me, fire will come out from me, and I will consume you. It is a warning that the bramble gives to the trees. And the trees say, yep, sign me up. (laughs) And Jonathan's parable, he goes on to kind of explain what the parable means. But basically what he says is this. Like, like, y'all have looked all over for worthy people, and the person you chose is a bramble to lead you. Like you you have purposely chose a bramble. And if you did that faithfully, if you did that righteously, if that was a good thing for you to do, God bless you along the way. But if it wasn't, if you weren't faithful to my brothers and my dad and the way in which you treated us, if you weren't faithful, that bramble is going to consume you with fire. Like He will burn you up. The thing that you thought was going to bring you protection... And that it was going to to give you leadership is going to destroy you completely, men of Shechem. And then he turns to the bramble and he says, And you, Bramble, Abimelech, you too will be destroyed by those who sought shelter underneath you. Mutually assured destruction is the end game for the bramble. Guys, we, we, we have a tendency to do this, right? We listen, we have to be careful who we listen to because if we listen to the wrong people, what happens is immoral people, right, get their hooks into us, and they stick us with their little 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 pokey deals, spikes, I guess, thorns. There it is. They stick us, and they get their hooks into us, and then we're we're, we're aligned inside of their their, their world, and we're, we're we're stuck inside of their world. But here's the problem: when you're when you're stuck with immoral leaderships, they destroy themselves, and they take you down with them. Immoral leadership destroys both the leader and those who they sought to lead. It is a a scary thing. This is why as a country, just to go like take one step away from the church and into the bigger picture, like we should care about the quality of the character of the person who's going into office. Because immoral leadership destroys both the leader and those who seek shade underneath him. Right, like, like, I, I don't, I've been voting in elections since George W. Bush's first run. That's 2000. Turned 18 in, in 2000. So, so my run of presidents is shorter than some of y'all's. God bless y'all. Um, and and there, I'm not saying every president that we've had since then has been utterly immoral because they probably haven't been utterly immoral. But man, there's concerns about almost all of them. And there's big concerns, substantial concerns, and we keep—I I, I, mean—I I scratch my head. I lament this uh, privately, and I guess publicly now. Like, is this the best we have to offer as leaders in our country? Or are these is, is 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 Joe Biden and Donald Trump the best that our countries have to offer? Really? Is that, is that the best the Republicans have to offer? Is that the best that the Democrats have to offer? And some of you're like, yes, it is. Okay, well then I guess we deserve what we get—the fire that comes out from them, right? I feel that way about church leadership as well, right? We we, we look around and, and and this happens sometimes, you know. We we if you have a need, you have a hole in leadership in a church, whether it's in maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a deacon, you have a position you're trying to fill, and at some point you just kind of throw your hands up and you're like, "Is there anybody who who can do this at all? Is everyone even willing?" To, to to do it. Like I don't even care if you're called or capable or you fill any of the biblical requirements, will you say yes if asked? Right? And that's a dangerous place to be. Will you say yes if asked? Or do we actually seek biblical leadership? When we call a pastor, do we seek biblical leadership? Do we make sure that they're, you know, keeping what what, what Titus and Timothy commands? Are we are we careful about that? Because if we're not, we're inviting Bramble leadership into the church, and the church will be not the church, Christ's church will never be destroyed, but this church can be destroyed through Bramble leadership. Right? Are we looking for, are we, are we being godly in who we put into positions of, of deacons or um, Sunday school teachers or whatever? Are we, we, we care for? Are we just. Or we we haphazard? We need a spot. We need someone to fill. You know, I just asked if we need people to work in the nursery, right? Like, we, we do need people to work in the nursery. We do need people to volunteer to serve in the nursery. And the requirements of volunteering in the nursery isn't that high. But there are some things that will make it where you won't work in the nursery here. <laughs> right? There's some things. I'm like, no, you don't qualify for that position. Right? Even though you're not necessarily teaching. You're not you're not holding, you know, uh, Bible study for the, the toddlers. Right? There's there's things that still would would disqualify you. We need to be careful about endorsing bramble leadership. And and we need to not buy into the fact that just because everything looks like a bramble, that I guess we have to choose a bramble. Positions can go unfilled. Like they can they can go unfilled in the church. We can wait. We'll be better if we wait. Positions can be empty for a season. Right. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're in a voting situation, it's, it's okay. It's okay to throw your hands and be like, no. I'm sure, some bramble will probably be selected by the rest of our countrymen, but it's okay to say no. I don't, I don't, I'm not down with the brambles today. Give me something better. In the local election, same deal, right? We have We have consistent things. Praise God for our, our county judge, though, man. Love that guy. Love that guy. It's a dangerous thing, though. Be discerning out there because Bramble leaders will destroy both themselves but also those who seek shelter inside of them. This is how it played out, and I'm going to summarize the fullness of how this story played out just, just so you're aware. It's, it's verses 22 through 49. Um, a man, after uh, Abimelech has been king in this little region for a period of a couple of years, uh, a man um, by the name of uh, Gaul, he must have had some Gaul, because he decided, I am sick and tired of this Abimelech fellow leading over us, and he begins his own little whisper campaign and his own little, man, I can't believe this guy did this. Ah, we 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 could do so much better without him, and we're giving him all this stuff. Let's let's have our own thing, and the men are like, yeah, right there, because they same people three years ago were all, yeah, Abimelech, and now they're like, yeah, get rid of him, because we're fickle people. But but this gall guys out there. Building up a thing, but there's a man in the room who's not on his side. He's on Abimelech's side. His name is uh, what was Zebul, I think, is the guy's name there. I don't want to mispronounce this guy's name there. Um, yeah, Zebul. And so Zebul's over there, and he hears it, and he's like, everyone's like, yeah, and he's like, this sounds like this sounds like treason. And so he sends a message out to Abimelech. He says, hey, this guy's gonna gonna want to fight you. So you need to get ready to go. And then he kind of goads him, and they're like, yeah, raise an army, yeah, let's let's go do it. Like he kind of goads Gaul into raising up an army, and sets up an ambush for Abimelech to murder all of Gaul's little insurrectionist army. And sure enough, they, 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 they rise up, uh, and, and they're sitting there, it's a, it's a kind of a funny story, they're sitting there, and they're kind of looking out across the picturesque landscape of the ancient Near East, and Gaul's like, hey, Zebel because he doesn't know that Zebel's not on his side, because uh, oftentimes in periods of poor leadership. We don't know who's on our side. But he's like, hey, Zebel, are those people coming down the mountains over there? I swear those are people. And Zebel's like, man, you go go get your eyes checked. That's just shadows. But sure enough, it was the army creeping closer and closer. Ah, it's just shadows. You don't know what you're doing. 30 minutes later, he's like, man, I swear those are people over there. And at that point, everyone's close enough, and then Zebul's like, yeah, well, they are, and they're coming to kill you, right? And sure enough, they sweep in. It's a mass massacre of the men of Shechem. Uh, and then the next day, uh, they flee, and they're trying to go out into the wilderness to get away from the wrath of Abimelech, and then they, they're, they're surrounded by Abimelech. And so they rush into the stronghold, the place where, where they should be safest. Uh, it's a, an area where, where it would be kind of impenetrable to the you know type of... Swords and spears that, that could get them at this day and age. And what Abimelech does is he goes over with his axe, he cuts down a branch. He puts it on his back. And everyone's like, what the heck is this guy doing? And he says, what you just saw me do, do it too. So all of his army cuts down branches. They lay the branches against the stronghold. They burn those people alive. A thousand people died. Men, women, children inside the stronghold. right Where they sought refuge. Fire came out, just like Jotham said. Fire came out of Abimelech and destroyed them. Abimelech wasn't done. His wrath wasn't satisfied. Apparently, a neighboring town, Thebes, was involved in some sort of, uh, I don't know, some sort of something or another going on against him as well. And so he goes to duplicate the exact same thing. He's like, This works so well, just smoke them out. If they come out, we kill them. If they stay in, they burn to death. And so he's doing the same thing. He's laying these branches against the stronghold in Thebes. Or I don't know. He's laying it all around him. Some lady looks out the window. And she's like, nope. And she takes a millstone, chunks it out the window, crushes Abimelech. It's a fatal blow. He doesn't die immediately. Asks for his armor bearer to kill him. His armor bearer kills him. So that a woman won't get glory for his death. What do we learn through this story of the, the, the prophecy, the, of, uh, the parable of Jotham coming true, we learn a couple things. The first one is this, right? Immoral leaders will destroy those who, who fall after them as soon as they get out of line, right? Uh, you know, if, if they did it, this is like you know, dating advice for the ladies out there today. Like, if he cheated on his girlfriend to be with you, he will cheat on you, to be with his next girlfriend. Right? It's just what he's going to do. So, by the way, it's the same way for guys. Guys. Right? If she cheated on uh, with you, she'll cheat on you. Right? And if, and if this guy used violence and rage to achieve his position with you, as soon as you are seen as an enemy or an adversary, he will use violence and rage against you. Immoral leaders are, by their nature, immoral. They do not have the moral compass to continue to do what is right. And so they seek after their own good and their own glory. Right? And so, like, just know, when you align yourself with someone, whether it's politically or, or locally, whenever you align yourself with someone, like it's a possibility that that person's going to turn on you in relatively short order, and alliances that used to feel like they were tight are no longer. So I see this in the convention. I deal with Southern Baptist Convention politics because I guess that's part of my job, though it's really the part that I care almost the least about. Got all of y'all to deal with. Um, but these groups that used to be at each other's throats 10 years ago. The big fight 10 years ago was between uh, Reformed, Baptist and non-Reformed Baptists, traditional Southern Baptists, and they were just fighting each other about everything. Ugly fights, stupid fights, just, just like, and I'm like, just stop. Like, we've been under the same tent for 150 years. I think we can get along. But they couldn't. They wouldn't. They had to fight. They had to fight. And, and part of it is because some people just can't live without a fight. And then, all of a sudden, like just rapidly, in about six months, that fight disappeared. And now they're actively fighting against uh, critical race theory, uh, wokeness within the Southern Baptist Convention. Just, just so you know, like, there's always reasons to be concerned about drift inside of your group. Southern Baptist Convention is about the most conservative denomination you're going to run into, unless you want to go Church of Christ. We're not, we're not rushing headlong out into some crazy... Uh, yeah, we've actively fought against that. But these people who used to be enemies are now fighting together because they're the fighters in the commission. They're fighting together against this other boogeyman out there. And once that boogeyman's defeated or put to bed, you know what's going to happen? It will happen. Sure, as the sun will rise tomorrow, they will turn on each other theologically again. And the guys who sat in rooms together coordinating their attacks against other probably godly Christian men they're going to end up they're going to end up at each other's throats again cuz they can't stop fighting which i don't think is a christian virtue right when I when i read the beatitudes blessed are the the warriors is not in there right that's that's not a christian virtue i'm not saying there's no reason to fight there is and like i'm i'm going to some bass convention this july or whenever it is in new orleans I'll be there to represent the church. Uh, I'm excited to do that. I've never been, uh, largely because there's, I have some concerns. There are some specific concerns that I have. Uh, but, like, ultimately, the goal is peace, right? And some people may not need to be, like, not everyone should be a Southern Baptist. That's okay. God's kingdom is bigger than this denominational nonsense that we're in here. Praise God for that but we've made a virtue into fighting, as if that's the, the ultimate virtue. And the truth is, those guys are going to turn on each other. And it's not that they're all immoral, though I do think there's people involved in these fights that are immoral. I think there's people who are, just love the fight, and that is not, that's not godly. They just love fighting, dividing. And the Bible tells us we should warn a divisive person twice and have nothing to do with them afterwards. It's not strike three, it's strike two, and we're done. Like, stop. You're being devised, stop. And there's people in the convention are on strike 78. And, and, and these some of these guys are, like, borderline, like, heroes of mine. People who have influenced me in my faith. Have, like, helped me stay on what I would consider to be. Like, I'm a very conservative Southern Baptist preacher, and that's largely due to some of the influence of these, these people who, who just, they can't stop fighting. I just wish... The Holy Spirit would grab a hold of them and be like, godliness. Like, just just stop. Guys, and I have concerns about that locally. First of all, I have Church Rockdale, this place, this, this, this place. We get too busy fighting and arguing about nonsense. Literal nonsense. And we seek out brambles to lead us, and then and then we, we, we're, we're up, we're, we're shocked when fire comes out from them and the place burns up around us. Guys, we've got to stop. There's a danger in who we allow to lead us. There is. And we need to be careful and cautious who we allow to lead us. And that means, that's true of Matt Higginbotham, your pastor, this guy, standing right here. Like, when I fall off the wagon, when I, when I when, when my faith is compromised, when I no longer am able to open the word of the Lord and say, This is what the Bible says, and this is what we're going to teach, and this is what we're going to do. But I I would wager, if you have an issue with me, or if you've had an issue with me, very rarely is it is it between the pages of the Bible. Very rarely. Maybe that I'm a pain in the butt sometimes, that's very true. I can be. Right. I can be. Right? It, may, it, may, it, may, it may be that. But, but sometimes it's, it's things way out here that are not connected to anything in the book. It's just just issues you've got. And instead of coming and sharing with me, instead of coming to, to me, you, you talk about it amongst yourselves. And it hurts. And honestly, I'm your pastor. And you're my sheep. And like I want to love you well. Had a conversation this week with with, with somebody who I'm I'm i would hurt. The way I interacted with them hurt them. Like I'm not above making me a and being like, hey, I, I'm wrong. But if I've hurt you, like if if, if something I've done has hurt you, let me make let me make it right. Let me make it right. And don't fall after some bramble out there that's trying to lead you astray for their own ends. And when those ends are met, they'll turn around and they'll turn on you for something else. Because there's always a fight to have. And as a country, those of you who aren't a part of this church fellowship here, as a country, we need to be careful about about brambles. Starts locally, city, county. Like, be careful about the character of the people that we elect. Because immoral leaders will not lead morally. They can't do it. Constitution is not a check against immorality. We wish it were. But it's not. We've seen it, right, over the last several decades. I don't know. Go back to Nixon, forward, maybe. Right? There's a lot of mess in there. Bramble leadership. And we love the bramble. Because he's one of us. Until he's not. And then we're like, what did I do? Well, I'm on fire right now. Guys, yeah, see God the leadership. Pursue after God the leadership. Don't settle for anything less. In the church, in our community, in our nation, and yes. in our world, we have no king but Jesus. We have no Lord but him. Let me pray.